Thank you very much, Toby and Kyle. It was really good to see you this morning as well. And do you know what? If anybody has any problems with uh, Fogelbrenyard, we'll point them to you because it was you that okayed us to do it. <laughs> I remember it. Such fun. Do you know, guys, we've had such fun this morning. What? We just love everything that's coming out of um, Kingdom Vineyard. Um, it's just amazing. So I just want to say good morning. It's lovely to be with you all this morning. When Jim asked if we would like to come and share with you, we jumped at a chance. Oh, totally. the, pro the problem is we both wanted to speak and I lost this time. I'm just going to go and speak to you. <laughs> um, but we will be back. Hopefully we'll be back. Um, do you know, it's just an honour. Um, for Jim and Rachel to ask us to come and share what we feel God's um, saying to you this morning. We love Kingdom Vineyard. You are just an awesome church. And we love Jim and Rachel. You know, they're, they're just incredible people and amazing leaders in Kingdom Vineyard. You are so blessed to have them as your pastors. Please look after them and um, send them encouraging words, cards, pictures, whatever, um, just to keep encouraging them. And they're doing an awesome, guy, an awesome job. And in Hebrews 13, it says this, remember your leaders who have taught you the word of God and think of all the good that's come from their lives and follow their example of faith. So, Kingdom Vineyard, I encourage you to remember Jim and Rachel. Don't be slow in holding back your encouragement for them. To follow their example, for they have amazing faith. We are just so blessed to know Jim and Rachel and have them in their life. We're so thankful for them. They are such great fun. When we meet together, when we could meet together as senior pastors, we always sought them out because we know that's where all the fun was happening. Um, so um, just I know, fun, fun, fun all the way. Um, we just love them. And we just want to bring blessings uh, upon all you guys um, from Falkirk Vineyard. We love you. We think you're doing a great job. Keep going. These are awesome. Awesome. Absolutely. And also thanks, Jim and Rachel, for trusting us or taking a risk and letting us speak to you today. Um, it's just such a privilege to be here. Listen, our plan just for the next few minutes um, is just hopefully to give you a few things to maybe think about and consider that we feel that God has given us to say to you guys this morning. I believe that God wants to encourage you uh, and he wants to challenge you. He, he wants to equip you and feed you to keep moving forward in faith and as God guides and directs you personally my prayer is that you Kingdom Vineyard will, will all work together um, and walk together to bring the power of God's kingdom to St Andrews and beyond. So if you have a Bible handy that would be really helpful for you because I've actually based what I'm going to say around <laughs> things that are in the Bible um, so we're going to be referring to a few scriptures and, and also it might be helpful if you want to write anything down that um, particularly resonates um, you never know that might be the father speaking to you. So it's worth taking a, a wee note. So what we're going to do today is have a quick look um, at some verses in Ephesians 4. Um, and I guess but my, what we kind of want to talk about today is, is unity. Uh, is unity in, in the church and because you're called Kingdom Vineyard which is a great name for a church um, I decided I'd call this talk Kingdom United <laughs> Kingdom United so we want to see the Kingdom of God united but our hearts are that, that Kingdom Vineyard would be a place of unity uh, and togetherness as well so 
as we just to dive into Ephesians 4 a wee bit, just let me give a wee bit of a, a kind of base to, to, to work from. Um, Ephesians is a, is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to churches in and around um, the city of Ephesus, and it's crammed full of truth. And I would, I would, encourage, I would encourage you to read, read the whole letter. Um, it's not a big book. It only takes around 30 minutes to read. Um, and Paul, um, if you've read Paul's letters, like I, I love reading Paul's letters. He's a very clever writer. Um, and the way that he structured this letter in Ephesians is that he's, he's kind of cut it in two. He has a front half and a second half. And in the first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul um, opens up and explains um, and puts a focus on who God is. You know, and that's a great place to start for anything. Um, if you want a deepen relationship with God, it's good to know who God is. And Paul puts a focus on that, on also what God has done for us. And then he, he kind of maps out um, our identity uh, in Jesus, this new life, this new person that, that we'll become. So when you move into the second half of Ephesians, and uh, in chapters four, five, and six, Paul then focus, turns his attention to how this identity that we've been given because of all that God has done for us through Christ, how that identity transforms the way that we live. And this order of how Paul structures Ephesians is really important because um, what Paul isn't doing is he isn't telling us to behave in a particular way so that we can prove who we are to God or even prove who we are to others. Um, he wants us to first understand that we have been given a God-given identity so that our actions and our behaviours and the things we do flow out of our understanding of who we are in Christ. And it's really important that we get that order the right way around. It's like what we do comes from who we are. Um, and this is important because maybe you're like me, like we, I've often fallen into the trap of trying to, to become someone or, or, or to be someone um, through hard work and effort. And, or, or maybe it's like um, believing that our identity or our status is something that we have to create or achieve through our own efforts. And the problem with this is that that inevitably um, causes us to fail to live up to the standards that we set ourselves or maybe others impose on us. And when we try and become something or someone in our own efforts that's maybe outside or not aligned with God's plans and purposes, we end up in this like a, like a punishing cycle and I think what happens is we see a lot of burnout and, and we can see feelings of guilt and worthlessness creeping in because we're, we're trying to do things the way we perceive that we should behave or the way that we perceive we should live. And that identity that we strive to create, uh, I'm sorry to say this is bad news, that it will always be out of reach. It will always be out of reach because that's not how God has designed us to be. So in Ephesians, we've been reminded that God has actually turned all of this upside down. So we don't act to earn our identity. We act out of the identity that has been earned for us by Jesus. 
Let me just say that again. We don't act to earn our identity. We act out of the identity that has been earned for us by Jesus. This is who God in Christ has made you to be. Now with the help of the Spirit, live like it. And that is the message of Ephesians. So as we dip into chapter four, Paul begins with this. He says, therefore. So he starts, he pivots from focusing on God and all that Christ has done for us and our identity in Christ. And he reminds us of all that. And he's saying, therefore, or so, or um, the message version of the Bible says, in light of all of this, this is how I want you to live. And Paul really puts down the, the hammer down on the critical importance of this word therefore by saying, so he says, therefore, I beg you or I urge you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Paul also um, does a similar thing or the same thing in the book of Romans. So um, he does this pivot in the same way. In the first 11 chapters of Romans, Paul goes into even more detail um, uh, or even greater detail of what he teaches us in Ephesians 1 to 3. And when we come to the uh, chapter 12 of Romans, after explaining again everything that God has done for us, he says, Therefore, I urge you, same words, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies or your lives as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. You know, and Paul does this because he's always careful to remind us that we are saved by grace and by no other means. See, it's not our efforts that make us right with God. It's our acceptance of what God has done for us. So therefore, because of all, Christ, of the, because of all that Christ has done for us, we are now to respond by leading a life worthy of our calling because we have been called by God. It's important to note as well that this letter to the Ephesians is a letter written to Christians. Paul is writing this letter to the church. This is a letter to people who have already accepted and received God's gift of salvation. Paul says, I, I beg you to live a life worthy of your calling for you have been called by God. So it's clear that he's talking to Christians here. So for us today, as the church of Jesus Christ. I believe that this is Paul calling the church to a new way of living, or you might say a new way of walking together. He's saying, lead a life worthy of your calling. So what does that mean? What, what does this new way of living mean? And what does that look like? Well, I'm glad you asked, because Paul actually goes on to tell us what it looks like. We go to verse two and it says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. I think that Paul is basically saying here that the way um, that we live is seen in how we treat other people. The way that we live is seen in how we treat other people. Now, remember, these words are written 
to the church. We are to model this life and our relationship and interaction with each other within the church. And this is essential for two reasons. And we, we read about this in John 13, two things that Jesus said. First of all, Jesus commands us to live this way. He says in John 13, 34, let me give you a new command. Love one another in the same way I loved you, you love one another. So we don't get to opt out of this because Jesus has commanded that we love one another. And the second reason it's essential is that this is how Jesus has designed the church to be observed by the world. And the next verse he says, Let, um, this is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. If someone's to ask you, what does the church of Jesus Christ look like? It looks like people who love each other. It sounds simple and it sounds basic, but everything that we are, everything we, we do is built up from that place of love, that command that Jesus has given us. So if you like this theology of who we are in Christ in the first half of Ephesians, um, Paul then starts to say out how do we apply that theology of who God is and who we are in Christ? How do we live that out? And he's saying that it's seen through humility, gentleness, patience, consideration, love, and peace and unity. I don't know if you recognize this, but as a wee while ago, I actually realized that when Paul was talking in these terms, he's describing the character of Jesus. And he's saying when we live like this, we are displaying and transmitting the character of Jesus. And we also know this as the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We did that in, in, in Galatians. In Galatians 5, it says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is the character of Jesus. Mm. You know, this isn't, Paul didn't talk to us about the fruit of the Spirit because he was adding new things to the conversation. Paul, you know, when we read Paul's letters, he's always reaching back to what Jesus said and what Jesus did. And he's just reframing it in language that we can understand. Eugene Peterson, one of my, my favorite writers, um, paraphrases the essence of these verses in the message like this. It says, so what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments not needing to force our way in life, rather we are able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Such a brilliant way to, to put those verses, I love it. Our knowledge of who we are in Christ, that is our identity, is lived out when we model the character of Christ. And we primarily model the character of Christ and our relationships and interaction 
within the church. And it is, in, it is this living in the fullness of Christ that unites us as the church. The message from Ephesians is it's incredibly relevant, even though uh, the words that we're reading were, were written thousands of years ago. Ephesus was a huge city. It was a transportation hub. But the culture of Ephesus in those days has similarities with our culture here in the West in 2021. They didn't have technology or Zoom or the scientific breakthroughs that we have now, but their weak points were exactly the same. Ephesus in those days, they, they had a tendency to like sinful practice. They were materialistic to the point of overkill. Sexual practices were going on that left nothing to the imagination and um, nothing seemed to shame them. Ephesus, interestingly, was also a place that had many statues of many gods. And the, the statues that, um, that were erected and made in Ephesus in those times were um, gods that were created in the image of the people. And I just want to just, a thought there, isn't that just the opposite of what we're supposed to be? That God actually creates us as images of him. You know, it's, it's a beautiful thing that God, God does in that. But anyway, we're in the midst of um, this very difficult environment, um, I guess, for, for, for Christians and Christianity. But in amongst all that, a church sprang up. And as Paul ministered to this small group of Christians, it became obvious that the people there were hungry for something real, something more. They wanted something more than that their money could buy. They wanted more than their, their me-focused imagination could create. And, and as they listened and as they considered Paul describing to them the life of Jesus, and as they changed their ways, guess what happened? Their numbers began to grow. In fact, so many people in Ephesus came to Christ and began changing their way of living that it, that it, it, it created um, a, an upset in the way the city was being governed and the way it was being run to the point that even their kind of economic core that were built on was starting to be threatened. And this change was so dramatic um, that a riot broke out in the city uh, and with Paul becoming the focus um, of the fury of the people. And eventually, long after he had to rush out of Ephesus in order to save his life, Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus with these simple, instru simple instructions for how he expected them to live. The point of telling you that part of the story is this, is that when the church lives its real life, when you live out of your God-given identity, then the atmosphere of towns and cities begin to change. Kingdom Vineyard, you can change your city. You can change your city. Because this God-inspired love and unity expressed inside the church breaks out in our lives at home, in our work, in school, to our neighbours, and so on. If we want to see the kingdom of God, breaking out in our worlds, 
where we live, where we have influence, where we work, where we go, then we need unity in the church. We have to be expressing these things that Paul is teaching us together. Because think of it, if you're outside of the church looking in, why would you want to be part of a disparate, disunited group of people? You know, isn't it great when people come along to your church and say how welcome they were made to feel, how warm it was, how beautifully people interacted with each other? Guys, don't underestimate this. This is something that the world is craving. And you guys have it. You guys have it. But don't take it for granted. And don't sit back and think that it's just going to carry on. It takes effort and it takes work, and it takes forgiveness, and it takes peace and love, gentleness, etc. The world is always looking for, but never finding unity. All the laws, conferences, treaties, agreements in history, they have all failed to bring lasting world peace or unity. And neither has protest or fighting for a cause, or raising awareness brought the long-lasting unity that the world craves. All of these things, like they can be worthy in their own right, but it's only God that can bring perfect unity and peace. When peace uh, is broken by politics, or by organizations, or by governments, it always involves some kind of trade-off or compromise. The unity that God gives to his church is unconditional. His gracious sacrificial act of paying the price of our sin is what unites us. And it's what unites us with Christ and it's what unites us with each other. We, as, as the church, we as disciples of Jesus, we can't create the unity that Paul speaks of here. Rather, what we do is we accept the gracious gift of God's salvation to be reunited with him. And it's our union with God that unites the church of Jesus Christ. So I'm almost done. But Kingdom Vineyard, I just want to say this, that you guys need each other. And as Falkirk Vineyard, we need you. We are united together in Christ. This past year um, have challenged the unity of the church in ways that we've never seen before. And the biggest challenge that we've had to our unity is because it's difficult to preserve unity when we're not together. Being present with one another is absolutely vital. And I just want to encourage you that don't, not, not to make coming to church every week something that you sometimes do and sometimes don't do. It's really important that we come and gather together. Being present with one another is absolutely vital because it's by being present that you build up others by the giving of your God gifts to others. And it is being by being present that you are built up by receiving from the God gifts of others. I think that's what the writer to the Hebrews is getting at when he says, 
Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. And Paul says in Ephesians 4, he goes on to say, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. The church is the central place that God is at work. The church is the central place where our God gifts come together to glorify him and to bless others. The church is the central place where we grow more and more like Christ in our character. The church is the central place where we live out who we are in Christ. And it is from the church that the love and grace and generosity of Jesus spills out into the world that we live in. Yeah, and, you know, I didn't know exactly what Andrew was going to speak about, and actually it's been mentioned a few times already um, this morning, but and I was praying for you guys and asking God if, you, if there was anything you want to show me for you or whatever. I had a picture of a tree, when it was, and it was standing strong, and it had solid root systems, so that no matter, it could weather any storm that would come. So no matter, no matter what season it was in, or how hard the season is, it stands firm, bears fruit, and flourishes. And that, I feel, is a picture of Kingdom Vineyard. So you've got really good root systems, so that no matter what season comes for your life as a church, you'll stand firm, still bear fruit, and flourish. And then I saw, when I saw that, and then behind the church, I saw like a fruit orchard. We talked about a lot of the fruit of the spirit. A fruit orchard where there was lots of different fruit trees. And as these trees were all standing together, they were pollinating each other, which meant that the fruit that they were um, they were starting to produce was even greater. Rather than just having apple trees and pear trees and um, plum trees, they were pollinating each other. And that meant that the fruit that they were producing was greater and better and richer than when they were all just on their own. So it's a grouping together and building each other up and sharing each other's faith that was um, making them the more, the, the richer. So that was, I felt God was saying. So bearing great fruit, Kingdom Vineyard. Yeah. Can we just pray for you guys? Is that okay? Just then we'll hand back to Toby and Carol. Yeah. Holy Spirit, you are so welcome here. We thank you that we are all sitting in different places, in different rooms, but we are united mm. by the same Spirit. God, I have never been more grateful for your omnipresence mm. than I am right now. That we can speak from Falkirk and your word carries, Lord for miles and miles and miles. And God, we just pray, Lord, a blessing yeah. over Kingdom Vineyard, over the leaders, over the workers, over the servants, 
And Father, I just ask, would you, um, would you pour um, a balm of peace mm-hmm. over these people? Would you show them, Lord, that the worth that you have for every person, Lord, is lived out in our lives? I pray, Lord, for an increase in the fruit of the Spirit, a display of the character of Jesus, Lord, that will overflow and spill out, Lord, and affect cities and towns and regions across Fife, across St Andrews and beyond. Mm. God, we pray, Lord, that your church will rise up Lord, not like an army, Lord, who are going to battle to force change, but Lord, to bring change, mm-hmm. Lord, through the display and the manifestation of Jesus. Yeah. yeah. God, I thank you that you love your people. Mm-hmm. You love your church. And your heart, Lord, is to see your church love one another in the way that you love us. And God, I pray that. In St Andrews and beyond, Lord, that people will look at Kingdom Vineyard and identify that they are disciples of Jesus because of their love for one another. We bless you, Father. Seal your word in our hearts and let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen.